0: And a very warm welcome to your Active's Health podcast, where every week we dive into EU health policy and bring you the latest health news from Europe. I'm Clara Bauer.
1: And I'm Gerardo Fortuna.
0: And in this episode, we have a special guest joining our podcast, the EU health commissioner, Stella Kyriakides.
1: That's right. On the occasion of the 8th of March, uh, International Women's Day, we'll be talking with the commissioner about everything women's health.
0: Let's hear what the commission told us. Ms. Kierakides, let's start with one of the most common cancers in females, which is the cervical cancer. We know that early detection is crucial, but the situation is very different in each country. What the Commission is doing and could do more to close this gap? Cervical cancer is one of the most um, prevalent cancers
2: that we have in women. And uh, within the European Union, there are differences in both in terms of prevention and in terms of... Uh, of diagnosis um, across member states, but also within member states. And this is one of the fundamental principles of Europe's meeting cancer plan is ensuring that uh, citizens and cancer patients, no matter where they live within the European Union, have access to the same level of prevention and the diagnosis and treatment services. For cervical cancer, we have very specific targets that we want to have 90% of the girls vaccinated for HPV and a significant increase in the number of boys. But also because we have seen how screening for cervical cancer differs um, across and within member states, we want to ensure that 90% of citizens who are eligible for screening programs have access to them. We're dealing with um, one of the types of cancers that we can actually prevent. Um, And I believe that we need to work towards this to ensure that over the coming years we have uh, lower numbers, lower incidents and definitely not lose so many lives to it.
1: Yeah, a follow up on this aspect. uh, We've seen a recent push at the EU level uh, with the uh, approval of the EU cancer screening recommendations in December. Uh, but when it comes to other women's cancer, how to ensure access to screening and early detection, uh, as well as prevention?
0: Yes,
2: it, it, we updated the European Cancer Screening recommendations last September after 19 years. Science has evolved so much, and we were only able to do this now, and this is due to Europe's beating cancer plan, which is a plan which is holistic, and has the funding it needs, not only to put forward recommendations, but to support member states in actions. This is a plan that has gone from being a plan to now being specific actions and projects in place. And for uh, breast cancer, for example, we have extended the age, but we are also um, supporting member states to set up screening programs because we know that early diagnosis saves lives, And this is exactly what we should be doing. There is a huge difference in the uh, number of women that have access to screening programs for breast cancer within the EU. And it is important that we support the member states that don't have the screening programs or women are not accessing to be able to close this difference. It's really about closing the gaps where services and care for cancer patients is
0: involved. I now have a more personal question. You are a cancer survivor. From a patient's perspective, did you see gaps in the system and are you trying to address them now that you are the EU Health Chief? I've had uh, cancer uh, three times in my life.
2: Um, So I'm very aware of the challenges and possibly I became involved in in breast cancer advocacy when I became aware of, of the gaps in the systems. First of all, uh, in my own country, but then at European level. Um, and I think that uh, this is when something, uh, a personal experience becomes also a political experience. It becomes a drive to move forward. Uh, and for myself, it's a great uh, privilege that it is a priority for the European Commission to have Europe's beating cancer plan. It's a privilege that the President von der Leyen, it's a political and personal priority. And we have the opportunity through this um, plan to actually make a difference for cancer patients, their families, and for citizens. It's now in its third year. Uh, We have 30 actions moving forward into 2023. Uh, And uh, we are um, going to be pushing forward to really close these gaps that you mentioned for all types of cancer, not only women's cancers, But of course, uh, breast cancer and cervical cancer are are two of the main cancers affecting women, and it's important we solve these issues and we deal with them.
1: And I have a question on maternal deaths, uh, because there was this uh, recent report drafted by UN agencies uh, that shows that maternal deaths are uh, either increased or stagnated in nearly all regions of the world. Uh, In Europe, of course, we've seen declines in uh, maternal mortality, but still... Uh, We're talking about something that remains unacceptable. So are you considering uh, to take action in this regard?
2: It's a hugely important topic because really um, maternal uh, health and uh, pregnancy are are so very important. Um, And uh, we need to uh, address this. And I know that there are uh, some member states that have a bigger problem than others. But at the level of the EU compared to the global incidence of maternal deaths, the EU has excellent healthcare delivery. Nevertheless, I would say that it is important that where we see that there are issues, we address them. Uh, As we did, for example, uh, in the COVID-19 pandemic, when I worked very closely with the European Society of Gynecology and Obstetrics to encourage women during pregnancy to be vaccinated, because we knew that this would lead to uh, fewer problems with their pregnancies and afterwards with deliveries. So the aspect of uh, health, of women's health, needs to be in almost all the policies that we deal with. We need to look at this gender aspect of health. It's often overlooked, but we do look at it and we will continue to focus on it throughout all our Portfolio, I think, um, uh, actions and topics.
0: Another important topic is the right to abortion. You've seen what happened in Poland recently, and what is the current situation in Malta? Do you think that the right to abortion is in danger in Europe, and how to protect this right? Sexual and reproductive rights
2: and women's rights are fundamental. I have always promoted them, believed in them, and will continue to do so. Legislation in relation to abortion is member states'. Uh, competence, but I believe that we have a responsibility uh, at our level and at my level to voice the importance of of reproductive and sexual uh, rights in women across the EU. And this is a fundamental, women's rights are a fundamental part of democracies. And we should always be voices for women, no matter where they live in the EU. And they need to have access to services that will protect these rights. Then they need to have access to information that will allow them to make informed informed choices.
1: I have a follow up on this um, because there's a bit of a weird correlation because the same countries that are banning abortion are those who don't give uh, contraception or family planning options. So how could the EU push this agenda in these countries?
2: Through our equality strategies, through our gender equality strategies, and through information and awareness campaigns that we constantly need to push at our level and make sure that this information is reaching all EU citizens no matter where they live. Uh, Women's rights are non-negotiable and having access to information and being able to make informed decisions in every aspect of life is very important. And we are supporting um, awareness campaigns of many different issues uh, in the EU and member states, and we will continue to do so.
1: And another question on healthcare professionals. Um, According to the latest data published by the EU agency Eurofound, Um, Health professionals in the EU are three times more likely to report unwanted sexual attention. Uh, Likewise, healthcare and protective services workers are two uh, to three times more likely to report bullying, harassment and violence. So what's your take on this worrying trend?
2: In terms of sexual harassment, bullying, I won't limit it to health workers. There has been a lot of work which shows that women often in the workplace may find themselves subject to uh, sexual harassment or inappropriate behaviors. And these need to be reported. And there need to be clear ways that women can report this in every area where they work. for myself, this, this was very evident because I was for years in the uh, Council of Europe and we, we actually uh, promoted ways where in the workplace, um, women could report anonymously. In terms of health workers, um, this is something that has been looked at, but also the women are, are the large part of the health workforce in the EU especially in the nursing and other and auxiliary work. The harassment, it may be the bullying, but it's also also the mental health strain that they have in the workplace. And I saw this very much in the COVID-19 pandemic, where uh, uh, they were in the front line and are in the front line, all health workers and mainly women. Women are also carers for the elderly. And we need to really uh, focus on this aspect. Uh, and have the support system there to be
0: able to really um, give them what they need in, the, in their work uh, environment. Speaking of COVID-19, according to a 2021 report, 83% of women said that COVID has had a negative impact on their mental health compared to only thirty six percent of men. In general, women have a higher mental load. Is the EU failing to protect women's mental health? Mental health is
2: a priority for us as a commission. Uh, we have the first mental health uh, comprehensive strategy coming out this June, uh, focusing on mental health in all aspects. COVID has definitely impacted on mental health for everyone. Um, but uh, women, because they make a large part of the health workforce, were impacted greatly. And they will also make a large part of the those who care, carers, Um, and also care for the elderly, care for children. So mental health is a political priority for this commission, I think is extremely important. President von der Leyen brought it up in her State of the Union speech in September and asked for this strategy. It's the first step and we will take this forward. But there was also, I think it was in the Eurobarometer, saying that for citizens now, mental health is one of the most important issues that they feel they need to tackle. This speaks on itself, and we need to do something about it.
1: Yeah, you just mentioned it, uh, so there's going to be a EU mental strategy. Uh, Can you give us some anticipation on that?
2: This will be presented in June. We are at the moment at the process of taking in uh, input from different stakeholders. There's a number of commissioners inputting into this, because when we speak mental health, we need to understand that it encompasses everything from uh, childhood and to the elderly. Um, And we need to look at mental health in different settings. We need to see how, for example, the war in Ukraine, the energy crisis, COVID has impacted on mental health on young people. It's um, extremely important to understand when we're talking that an individual, when we're talking about health, health, physical health and mental health are part and parcel of one entity. And you need to have both working together um, in harmony to be able to move forward with your life. And having a mental health comprehensive strategy is going to be the first time that we're going to try and identify the parameters that we need to address. But more than that, what I would like is to have deliverable actions. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're working on now, to see the framework, but also what deliverable actions we can have that will be relevant for EU citizens.
0: We just spoke about the mental health strategy, but there is also the pharmaceutical strategy which is about to be unveiled by the Commission this year. Is there anything you would like to share with us uh, about this strategy, Ms. Kyriakides? The three A's. The three A's is uh, what I say this
2: strategy is. It's about affordability of medicines, it's about access to medicines, every citizen having access to medicines at the same time and um, availability of medicines, trying to address issues to do with those with rare diseases, with uh, pediatric uh, medicines. So this is a very uh, a much needed reform of the pharmaceutical legislation. It needs to find a balance between the three A's and also preserving innovation and supporting the pharmaceutical industry in Europe. You need to have both, you cannot have only one. And we're at the moment looking to present this strategy forward and striking this balance. It's not going to be easy. Uh, so I'm very cautious about um, uh, not being uh, overtoning it, but we are very aware of the challenges faced and we want to find a pragmatic proposal that will be able to bring the necessary change to the pharmaceutical legislation to the benefit of the European citizen.
1: We know that this uh, legislation has been delayed. Uh, So can you give us maybe a date?
2: 29th of March. This is the
0: date. (laughs) If you're enjoying listening to Euractiv's health podcast, a friendly reminder that you can subscribe to our newsletter that comes out every Wednesday, the same weekday as a podcast. We'll make sure to keep you updating on the main EU health news. And don't forget to check other Euractiv's podcasts, Agri-Food Brief, Tech Brief and Beyond the Byline. You can listen to us on all your favorite podcast platforms.
1: And that is all from us for today. Uh, Thank you for listening. We also want to hear from you. So if you have something to say, don't hesitate to drop us a line. Our email address is podcast at youractive.com or contact us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, This episode was brought to you thanks to Your podcast producers, Evi Chiori. Uh, See you next week and stay healthy.